Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Hey, I'm Tracy, and I have the great honor of communicating the word this morning. We're starting a new series. Pastor Chris has led us into an amazing series, Thoughts and Things. Who's enjoyed that series that we've been on the last couple of months? Wasn't that phenomenal? So good. Um, we're so blessed to have Pastor Chris and his ability, even to just his uh, foresight into what is it that the church needs to hear. And not just for our church. I think we really are called to be um, a real apostolic church that God's going to speak things through our pastor. And um, we have the great responsibility uh, to, to speak the truth and get that word out there, right? Isn't it cool God speaks something on a Sunday and you're sharing it on Monday with a coworker or you're in a coffee shop and somehow it, it comes up throughout the week? That is when you really know that the Word of God is getting deep into us. And so that Thoughts and Things series has been awesome. But today is the start of a new series. You ready? We're excited. Pastor Chris um, wants to start a new series. It's going to be a summer series called Social Kingdom, Practicing the Way of Jesus Together. Practicing the way of Jesus together. Social kingdom. We're going to talk about everything from church and community to family to marriage to singleness. Um, Where are the single people at? They're never very proud. It's like, because like, watch, where are the married people at? They're like so much happier. Come on. We're going to talk about singleness. It's not of the devil, okay? Where are the single people at? There you are, loud and proud. Come on. Uh, We're going to talk about all of it. We're all in this together. We're part of a community and a family of faith. And um, we're doing it together. So it's the social kingdom. So Pastor Chris is going to lead us on this series, except for he asked me to do the first, the first message. So <laughs> he'll change it, and it'll be better. But he's like, yeah, Tracy, you get, you get the first one. I'm like, what exactly is this series about? I don't know. Whatever you want it to be about. No, kidding. We've mapped it out. He's amazing. We have, can we just honor our pastor, him and his raising of 38,000 children? With all of his children raising, he's still here in the front row. And uh, he's the greatest pastor. I love Pastor Kristen Kelly. And it's such an honor um, to, to serve underneath them and the vision God's given them. And so we're really blessed. And we got Pastor Ken and Connie in the house too, the founding pastors. We're a blessed church, aren't we? So social kingdom. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 if you want to go with me. Um, starting in verse 1, it says, I therefore, this is Pastor Paul. Paul is writing this to the church in Ephesus. Actually, this is the one letter that Paul writes. It's not really just for a specific church. He writes this to the churches. This is going to be a letter that is given not just to the church in Ephesus, but it's going to circulate to all the churches at the time. So this is not a letter that's addressing a specific problem like the other letters, like Philippians. We know there's some issues going on in Philippi. Colossians, there's some stuff going on in Colossae. Even in Galatians, he's writing to the church in Galatia, and there's issues happening, uh, the church in Rome and in Corinth, all of these. But the, the, the letter to the church in Ephesians is going to be spread all around the known world at the time. Is not about a specific problem. It's about the church. And really the theme of this letter is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, he's going to speak about unity in the church and the importance of it and what community and unity really looks like, um, not just in the first century, but what it looks like today in the modern 21st century in U.S. of A., in God's country of Idaho, what the church is supposed to look like and express. And so here he's talking about in first, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord 
urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let us pause right there for a second. The key verse that we're going to hit on today is eager, this verse, chapter 3, or verse 3, eager to maintain the unity. What does that show me? What does that teach me? What do I know already? I can't create unity. I'm just called to maintain it. Jesus is the one who has brought unity. It is under his name that we are unified. You are not unified under my name, under the name of Capital Church, under some city or favorite basketball team. You are unified under one name, and that is Jesus. I can't create unity, but I can certainly maintain it. He brought the unity. It's now our job. We are called into it, Paul says, to maintain it, eagerly maintain the unity. So verse 4 goes on, and it says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It is God. We all come today under one name. One name. You might come in with all sorts of different ideas and preferences and thoughts on church and thoughts on community and thoughts on how you read your Bible, how you don't read your Bible, and that's fine. But let me tell you something. The reason we show up on a Sunday morning and we worship and we celebrate is because of one name, and that name is Jesus. I don't have to create unity. I just maintain it. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for this community. I thank you for the people that you have set in this community. It's not by accident, God, you draw us together. Lord, we are going to practice the way of Jesus together, not separate, not individual, not one way and another way, but God, you have called us together to build what you're building. Thank you, Jesus, that you have rescued us, you have set us free, and you've set us in your family. Lord, I pray today that you would reveal whatever you want to reveal in and through our hearts. Lord, use me as simply as a vessel to preach and communicate your word exactly how you want it to preach. I thank you, Jesus, that you would send your word and it would accomplish all that you purpose for it to accomplish in our hearts this morning. God, give us willing ears. Open our ears to hear. Let our hearts and our spirits be receptive to what you want to say. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing and we thank you for community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, um, I... I'm going to venture to guess I'm not the only one that has experienced this, but have you ever um, gotten yourself into a discussion? Some call it a debate. I like discussion because it sounds less intense. Um, I'm, I'm not going to use the word argument. That's Christians don't do that, right? Uh, but have you ever gotten in a discussion where you got in too deep and you realized y- you're not right and you're, you're more likely to be wrong? But the passion and the tone and like maybe some of the statements you've made, the sweeping generalizations, you've gotten too far deep, you can't get out. Have you ever been there? All the married people who were cheering before, you could cheer right now because you know you've been there. Let's be honest. The single people are like, nah, it never happens. See, there's blessing in singleness. Um, But you get in too deep. Have you ever been in a discussion too deep? And you're like, oh my gosh, I have, you have committed your way into something and you can't get out of it. So you're just going to keep being passionate on your view. Have you ever been there? There, Are there liars in church this morning? Where are the truth tellers? (laughs) I did this yesterday. 
So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a very vulnerable, real talk uh, example from yesterday. Yesterday, um, we were up at Faith Heights for one of the young couples in our church's wedding. And, and um, our junior high director, Rob Ash, he's not in here, but Rob Ash is going to get a shout out. Uh, one of the greatest leaders we have in our church, by the way. Love that guy. Got saved. He was at the Boise State basketball team or football team. He got saved. He's done our intern program. He's one of the greatest leaders, I think, of this generation. He's awesome. But he's got some wrong views on basketball. No, but anyway, he goes, he starts wanting to get in this discussion yesterday about who's the greatest player of all time. I'm so sick of that debate. We cannot debate. We cannot argue the different eras. I don't know if it's Jordan or LeBron. I don't care. I choose Jordan. You can choose LeBron. Don't care. But like we get in this big debate, right? So I, we're going on and I'm just at this point, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm committed to Jordan. It's my generation. So I'm like, I don't care about LeBron. He's switched so many teams. I think that's a lack of unity and not a very good commitment. He committed to go back to Cleveland. Why'd he leave in the first place? Come on, somebody doesn't want to preach. He just hops teams all the time. Why? Money. Money made him do it. Not commitment to Cleveland. Everyone's like, it was so sweet, the speech. I'm like, he left them. No one remembers that. But whatever. Michael Jordan stayed with basically the same team until he went to the Wizards, but we like to forget that. Anyway. The greatest basketball players of all time. Well, then it like turned, it got dirty, okay? Because then he started going after um, a very special team to my heart, but it's only a special team to my heart because it's my mom's favorite team. So he starts going after the Golden State Warriors and in our house, woo, those are fighting words. I, even deeper than the Cowboys, I think, because mom, Mama Connie, who is the reason we are all here. Her, praise, her, her prayers have gotten us here. They have sustained us here. And if she likes the Golden State Warriors, we all like the Golden State Warriors. She is like, I mean, my mom, Pastor Connie, she's like Steph Curry's from like pre-NBA days. She liked him when he was playing at Davidson. She, liked, she was giving me stats way back in the day, NCAA tournament. She knew, okay? So she's a true Warriors fan followed him through. So Rob and some of these guys are trying to go after. He's not that good. I'm like, he's underrated. And I'm starting to give all these stats, which I actually have no idea what I'm talking about. To be honest, I'm literally regurgitating what I hear my mom, my brother, and my eight-year-old nephew Quincy say. <laughs> Most of Quincy's. I'm pretty sure I was just like, everything he tells me, I'm like, that's right. Clay's not that good. Steph's better. They don't need KD. They won before. They don't need him. They can win after. I'm like all, I'm like so heated. Well, I'm so deep into this discussion. I actually don't care at this point, right? I don't care. Steph Curry doesn't care about me. He doesn't know about me. Whether he wins or loses, regardless of me, he don't care what I think. But I am going deep, right? And I just want everybody to know that it's Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors because I'm a justice person and I'm going to protect my mom's team. But it's funny, isn't it, how far we'll go into something we really, A, might not know that much about, or B, we'll be super committed to something that's non-essential. Do you know what we all agreed upon but none of us talked about? How much we love basketball. You know what that whole discussion was about? How flippin' awesome basketball is. One of the greatest sports, from college basketball to NBA, all the players that have play played. I mean, come on, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. I mean, come on, I even know Danny Ainge. I know Scottie Pippen. I know I grew up watching basketball. I love it. You could go back to Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell. Come on, basketball in the United States is awesome. You love it, Keegan? Come on. 
But we didn't talk about how great basketball is. We talked about the differences that we have, the preferences that we might have developed, the, the, the traditions we might have carried over or inherited. But something is funny about community, isn't it? We end up spending most of our time in the life of community and church fighting and curating the things we differ on rather than the things we are united by. We come here today by one name. It's the name of Jesus. There's no name greater. There's no name that's more powerful. But I think we spend a lot of time as Christians, as Jesus followers, curating disunity. Curating the things that we differ on. Curating the stuff that we just, I don't like that about service. I mean, baptism's in, in, in service? That seems kind of odd. Well, shouldn't, we, shouldn't we save it after? The spontaneous baptisms? Well, aren't they going to get a teaching on the bat? That seems a little extreme, Pastor. Don't they need a teaching on it before they go in the waters of baptisms? And, and shouldn't there be like a six-week program so they know exactly what they're doing? We spend more of our energy in the church curating disunity than we do unity. You weren't actually created to create unity. You were called to maintain it. And so Jesus, or Paul here in Ephesians 4, is going after the church in Ephesus and the church globally at the time because guess what was happening in the church? Lots of different people were coming together, different backgrounds. You know, there's Jews and Gentiles, and there's, there's all these people from all these different cultures and, and backgrounds, and they're all coming together in one church. That's what a church should look like, by the way. It should look real diverse. It should look real different and unique. And you should be sitting next to someone that kind of bothers you. That's church. That's church. And so here we have church in um, the first century, and, 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 and Paul is, is dealing with the problems, and they're upset because, you know, some really are strong about circumcision, and others don't really think it matters. And there's some that have all these, you know, they still think they got to follow ceremonial laws for, towards food and drink and, and, and when you worship and how you worship and the expression of worship, and, and, and it's got to be this way or the highway, and you better not do it that way. And so Paul goes, stop. You're all under one name. And that name is above all and through all and in all. So you're, you're majoring on minor things, and what you don't realize is you're actually a curator for disunity for what God wants to build in his church. We are called to maintain it. And so, and this is funny, I was looking at community, and, and, um, and I, I, I don't know if I'm slow, and I'm just not bright enough to catch this, but it's like all of a sudden hit me. If you look at the word community, guys, just wait for it, wait for it, it's going to blow your mind. It's, gonna, it's literally, some of you are like, this is all you need. Get your notepad out, get ready to write this. If you write the word community out, guess what's in there? Unity. Unity is in the word. God knows what he's doing. Do you know that the church, the word uh, for church in the Greek is ekklesia, um, in the Greek, and, it, and it's translated, and it means called out ones, not one, called out ones. See, God doesn't work with individuals, he works with people. That, that's, how the, that's, how, that's how God's purposes are, are flown. Pastor Chris, our pastor, our brilliant pastor, I remember said this several years ago, and several pastors have stolen it from him, but you will know it came from him. He says this, God has a mission. And the vehicle that he uses to accomplish that mission is the church. God has a mission for the world. And the vehicle he's going to use is the community. So why wouldn't you think the devil would go after 
creating divisions and disunity and disruption and, and different preferences and emphasizing this more than this. And, oh, I think the pastor should do this. And I think worship should be an hour. And other people think 15 minutes. We can't win. Your preference is always going to be different than somebody else's. And if we only live by our individual understanding of what we think the kingdom should look like or church should look like, we'll never get anywhere. Because if, if we just lined everybody up tonight, like everyone, or this morning, it's like, everyone come up, tell me what you want for church. You would be like, uh, we could never get anything done. Everyone would have a different idea of what it should look like and how we should accomplish it and what mission we should be a part of and we should do more of this, we should give more to this, we should do that. Everybody in this room has a preference. But everyone in this room has one thing in common, Jesus Christ. I wonder if we spent more energy and time and prayer and commitment to what we do have in common as opposed to dealing with and talking about and sharing with people and emailing to the church and telling the pastor and walking out and writing on a card, a comment card. These are the things I think we should improve. Should we improve things? Always. <laughs> some, of you, it's, it, some of you weren't here in 1983. I was. The church has changed, y'all. It's changed. It's grown. It's matured. It's developed. It's, it evolves. Things happen. It will never just stay the same, but we got to be curators of what God's doing, not of what I want. The preferences of our heart. That's the number one thing that will keep community from being one that looks like what it's called to be unified is when we make our individual needs and preferences and de desires bigger than what God does in building the community. Community is God's idea. Think about it. Creation itself was not complete until community. It wasn't complete. Created the stars and the heavens and the earth and mountains and waters and streams and valleys and beautiful landscapes and animals, every single living creature. I mean, he created panda bears, which is the greatest thing of all time. He created all these beautiful things, and it wasn't complete. He created man, and, 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 and Adam got to name the animals, and it still wasn't complete until God created man and woman with the potential of bursting promise for community. That's when he goes, it's good. That's what I want. I want community. I want people to work together. I want there to be something, a collaborative movement that accomplishes my mission for the world. It's not just your mission. It's God's mission. Community is his idea. But it's the struggle, isn't it, to do it together? Because I think a little bit of why we fight unity um, is because there's a little bit of fear in us that unity actually equals uniformity. If we're going to be unified, that means we all have to think exactly the like, and I have to, and I have to just think everything the pastor says perfectly, yep, I just got to agree with it. It's sort of the wrong question. It's the wrong thought. Because unity is not about uniformity. Unity is about change, though. Because here's the thing. Unity is not about getting people to agree with me. Unity is about me getting in agreement with God. And here's the dirty little secret to that. If we get in agreement with God, guess what will happen? I have to change. Something in me is going to have to, something's got to give. And it's not going to be God. 
something's going to have to be formed and matured and revived and refreshed. Something in me that is dead is going to have to be brought back to life. Something in me that is off track is going to have to get aligned. And it's not God who has to move. It's me. Unity is not, I mean, can you imagine us just getting a group of people? Okay, everybody get together and agree with everything I say. That's called a dictator. (laughs) But unity is going, it's a humble surrender to God and his mission. It's going, I mean, I got pretty good ideas, I think, Lord. I got some good preferences. I have some things I think could improve, but I'm going to humbly surrender and go, I want to I come into agreement with what you're doing because it's your mission. And you are so good and so gracious and so wonderful that you will use a vehicle called the church, which means me in it, that I get to help move this mission along. But I got to come into agreement with you rather than getting you to agree with me. Because ultimately, when you just want to get a group of people to come in agreement, you're ultimately saying, God, agree with us and bless us. Because we love to quote the scripture. (laughs) He commands a blessing where there's unity. We're like, we're all together and we believe the same thing. Command a blessing. And you're like, God's like, no, I don't even like what you're doing. (laughs) Like, I, it's like, uh, he's like, I'm good. Like, and you're like, where's the blessings? Because you don't just grab a couple people and go, everyone think the same. No, 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 no. You know what unity looks like? You know what community looks like? It looks like us going to God and going, okay, God, I want to be in agreement with what you're building and what you're doing. I want to be more like you. I want to think more like you. And there's some stuff in me, God, that I know I got to work on. There's some stuff in me that I still struggle, some traditions I've carried over. Maybe I've inherited. Maybe some stuff. But we've got to start going after and curating the essential things. Now, this is what happens, and St. Augustine said this, St. Augustine, however you want to say it. He said, um, and he was an early church father, dealing with the very issue of churches getting frustrated over, like, non-essential things. Like, okay, so what about water baptism? Uh, You know, is it how much water do you need for baptism? Is it a full submersion? Is it some sprinkles? Is it, like, a little cup? Like, where are we at on this? Where are we at on the scale? Uh, what do we think about certain philosophies and how we do church? You know, people come to church and they like worship to be at the end or the middle, not the beginning. They want the preacher to speak this long. They want the preacher to wear certain things. They would like, you know, they want camp to be this time or that. It's like all these things are not bad things. They're just considered, according to St. Augustine, non-essential things. Because St. Augustine says this. He says, in essential things, unity. Non-essential things, liberty. In all things, charity. You know what you got to do over the essential things? You got to fight and maintain for unity. There will be non-essential things in community and church and church life in the in the community of faith. I'm gonna people are gonna say and do things, and I'm gonna look at them like, huh? I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go liberty. Like, you do you. I'm just gonna be like, I don't. Okay, you do you. In all things, I'm gonna be charitable and giving and generous and kind. But in the essential things, whoo, I'm gonna fight for. What does that look like? Well, the difference is, and I I poke fun of, but people, you know, we look at methodology or the way that the expression of church, and we think that that's the gospel truth. Here's the problem. There's a difference between methodology and orthodoxy. There's methods of way we do things. There's traditions. There's, you know, you come into church. We do um, worship at the beginning. We have, like, a generosity time in the middle. We have preaching. We'll have an altar call. All these things are great things. But that's not orthodoxy. That's methodology. It's how we do church. It's, it's an expression of our tradition. 
But, but I do not base my life off the methods because they will change and they can change. The Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants. What I'm going to stake my life on is orthodoxy. What's that? The truth of God's word. Gospel truth. What I believe about God. Who God is. That will never change, friends. All the other things, are there's ebbs and flows and seasons of church and life of church and trends in churches and all those things. And those are not bad things. But I will not maintain unity in those things. I will focus on the essential thing, Jesus. Things will change. I'm telling you, stick in a church, which you should. Stick in a church for 30, 40 years, the same church. And you're going to see, oh, wow, we used to do this, and now we do this. Cool. His name is still lifted high. People are still getting saved and baptized, discipled. They become interns and then become, like, great leaders in our church. And who knows how they change the world. They become missionaries. Why? Is all that because we changed the method? No. It's because the truth has remained the truth. His name is what we're unified under. You know what I love about Capital Church? I love that there are families in here that have been here from almost the very beginning. And I was preaching in the 9 a.m. service, and I'm looking at people who've known me my whole life and the generosity of their hearts to then watch me preach. And they come and pray for me, and they tell me, great job. And I'm like, you saw me running around the church like a little crazy kid. And now they're just like the most supportive, loving, encouraging community members. I look at Phil and Lorraine Persian who faithfully sit in the second row. They're some of the greatest intercessors. Sweet Lorraine will have a prayer for me. She'll encourage me. She'll remind me of things that I can't even remember that God said over me as a young girl. And I think this is what community looks like. Togetherness. Now C.S. Lewis tells us it's chronological snobbery to think the old is better or the new is better. (laughs) It's like the young people are like, we're going to change everything and it's going to be better. Okay, young buck, get a little wisdom. (laughs) Not changing everything will be better. Changing some things might, it might be okay. But the mature, experienced ones, sometimes they get a little chronological snobbery too. They're like, oh, these young kids just think they're going to change everything. Don't they know how important this is? It's like, yeah, no, they're they're both important, (laughs) equally important. But what I love about Capital Church is we blend the generations together because you know what? The passion of the young and the wisdom and experience of the mature brings such beautiful togetherness and unity and community. But we have to fight. Yes, we have to fight for the essential things. It seems like, though, that a lot of us spend a lot of our energy focusing on just the minor things. Have you ever majored on a minor? Have you ever spent like an hour yesterday talking about the Golden State Warriors and ultimately you just don't care? Because I was really taking info from an eight-year-old anyway, so I don't even know what I said. And they probably won't win the series, and my heart will break, but I'll move on, you know? Or they might come back because Steph Curry is awesome and great under pressure. But I'm not going to live my life minoring on things. I'm going to live my life devoted to what Jesus is building. See, Jesus spends, he's talk, he says 121 times in the Gospels, he talks about the kingdom. You know what he doesn't talk about 121 times? He doesn't even talk about unity. He doesn't talk about your preference. He doesn't talk about your biases. He doesn't talk about what you want. 121 times he preaches about the kingdom. Why? Because when you get the kingdom right, you will walk in unity. Because you'll want what God wants. If you get the kingdom mindset and you get a kingdom perspective and you look through a kingdom lens, guess what happens? 
all of a sudden, those little minor things are not so important. The reality is this. They say this within church denominations and within your church community. You will agree with 98% of what happens within your church. The doctrine, the philosophy, the methods, whatever, 98%. Probably 2% you might not like. Or you might go, ah, not my favorite. Or I might disagree. 2%. 98% you agree with. Someone want to just like venture a guess why the church is not unified then? 98%? You and I walk into this building and are like, yep. Same. <laughs> totally. I'm with you. You're right. I know. I, I totally agree. Couldn't, I could not disagree. 2% of the things that happen on a Sunday morning, Monday through Saturday, the way you think things show up, 2%. Don't you think the devil loves the 2%? That's his playground. It's where he goes to in your heart. It's what he, those are the seeds he plants in your spirit. Oh, I didn't like that today. Some of you are not going to like my message. 2%. <laughs> Take it to the Lord. It's 2%. Some people don't like women preachers. You know, there are people that stop coming to 7 p.m. because I'm the lead preacher of the 7 p.m. service. And I thought they liked me a lot. They always gave me hugs after service. I had no idea. And then I was like, oh, where'd so-and-so go? Oh, they just, they don't believe in women in ministry. And I was like, but they hugged me every week. Couldn't they have told me? Like, it's like, don't flirt with it, you know? Like, I thought we were, come on, 2%? When God has called us to do it together, you know why he loves unity? Who? Because that one will show the world who Jesus is. First Peter says this. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Eugene Peterson, Peterson says this. He says, the first change that happens when you come into the family of faith is grammatical. Meaning this, your language changes. It comes kingdom language. Instead of saying I, you say us. Instead of me, you say we. You don't believe me? Talk to a new believer. Find someone who just found Jesus the last couple weeks. Listen to how they talk. Man, this is exciting what we get to be a part of. Can you believe we get to build the kingdom? Man, our pastors, look at the God's, I'm going to pray for them. Man, they have a hard job. I'm going to pray for them because we're, we got to reach more people. We, we got to go out there. We, 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 this is awesome. We're in it together. Talk to a new believer. Their language changed. Then go hang out with somebody who's been in the church for a long time. And they let the 2% be bigger than the 98%. They let the non-essential things choke out the essential things. And guess how they talk? Man, I really wish they would have not done that law song because I did not like it. You know what I think we should do? You know, this is my my philosophy, my truth. There, you don't have a truth. Only God has a truth. And it's absolute. Your language changes. And unfortunately, we get pre-Jesus language. When you were called into the community of faith, the first thing that changes is your language. And it becomes about us, not me. 
It becomes about a kingdom and a community, not my preferences or my biases or my wants or even my needs. It becomes about the needs of others. It becomes about the community. It comes about the kingdom. Why does that happen? I think it's First Peter tells us we forgot what darkness felt like. We forgot how he ripped us out of darkness and he placed us in his marvelous light. We forget what God has done in and through my life and he did it in community. God doesn't accomplish his purposes outside of community. God doesn't work with individuals, he works with peoples. It's ecclesia called out ones, not one. You want unity? We gotta be curators of it. You wanna see God move in our city? You wanna see your neighbor set free? You wanna see your family loving Jesus? Guess how they will come to know Jesus when they see a body of Christ, diverse as it is differences and traditions and backgrounds all different but they come together and they're unified under one name and they don't give energy and time and gossip to things that don't matter when his name matters and he wants to take you out of darkness and place you in his marvelous light that's community that's community but this is the devil knows oh he knows and so he goes in your heart and your spirit and he tries to plant a seed. Ah, we should do this, or you know, they should. This isn't good. Let's let's change this, or let's focus on this. Can we be a community that's committed to curating the kingdom of God? A hundred and twenty-one times Jesus preaches about the kingdom, His kingdom. What does the Bible say? Not my kingdom come, but Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You know the Bible says? Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. She says, repent for the kingdom is at hand. It's about the kingdom. When you build God's kingdom, I joked with young adults last week, it's like, you'll li you, you don't listen to your own preacher very much, so let me quote another preacher that everyone will follow on Instagram and like and give fire hands and like emojis when it comes on. It's like, it's such a blessing to your pastors, by the way. Uh, Levi Lesko is a great pastor in, in Montana. He, he, he's on this great series talking about, it's awesome. He's talking similar about the house of God. And he says, you know what? Don't worry. Because I know this to be true. When you build God's house, and you take care of God's house, he'll take care of yours. And all these people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, we say it all the time. No one, no one emails in saying that was awesome. No one comments and gives us fire hands. The truth is this, this is fun. It's just because I do college and young adults. Pastor Chris will clean it up, don't worry. We can say anything down there. But isn't it funny? It's like when, we, when your pastor says it, Pastor Chris gets up, you're, we are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed with the wisdom and the love for the word and, and discernment and insight and, and a lover of truth, God's truth. I know this to be true. You give your life to build God's kingdom, don't worry, he'll take care of your house, your home, your family, your future, your babies, your finances. Build his kingdom. And don't let anything try to rip you out of what God's building. Let's focus on the essential things. And let's just have some, let's have some charity for the non-essential things. Come on, church. I wanna be a unified body. I want the people outside to go, what is it about this community? We focus on what God's mission is and we get to be the vehicle 
to take his mission to the world. Would you stand with me today?